Welcome to the Cool Girls Only podcast, where we talk about the excitement and uncertainty of navigating our 20s. I'm Jordan. And I'm Maddie. A cool girl is on a journey to becoming her best self, and we're here to share our thoughts and learnings every Friday with you. Welcome to Cool Girls Only. Another Another guest, another Friday. Another (laughs) lovely guest, Emma Bates, co-founder and CEO of DM. Such an amazing app, such an amazing newsletter. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. Like she was just a wealth of knowledge. And I think, Mm -hmm. I mean, we kind of went all over the place in this episode. We talked a lot about startups and like the world of startups in New York, what startups she worked at and like kind of how that inspired DM. Yeah. I loved this conversation with her and you're right. We, we went into it with like some things we knew we wanted to talk to Emma about, but also, we just kind of let the conversation go where we thought it should go. And she just has like so many cool experiences that she can draw on. So I feel like she was such a person, like perfect person to kind of pick her brain on yeah. some of that stuff, you know? Yeah. So many cool experiences. Um, so if you guys don't know, DM is an app. Uh, basically, I'm on their website right now. It says DM means to share or seek information. It means Talking about your interests, whether through questions, ideas, concerns, dreams, or recommendations with community members that share those interests. So it's really like a community app where you can like ask questions, share interests, like very similar to Reddit, but really focused on like females and non-binary people. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really, really great space. And I think And we told her this, even when we were done recording, like, it's just something that's missing. And it seems like just an amazing corner of the internet, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. They also have, um, a really great newsletter called the things we don't talk about. And so I think that's a really good place to start. If you're kind of curious, you just want to learn more. I would sign up for their newsletter. Um, and obviously listen to this episode. Uh, Emma said to definitely check out the newsletter. The app has like a lot of updates coming, so mm-hmm. you'll get updates there. Um, and we're just like, so excited, you know, that we were able to connect with her. It's just an amazing app and I'm, I have it downloaded. I think it's just a really great resource. Like if I have random questions about like anything, there's a lot of like, there's like a finance tab, skincare, fitness, like just so many different, like interests, um, are all covered on this app. So I think it's a really cool, cool space. So go check it out. And I hope you guys enjoy this episode with Emma Bates. this conversation, we'd love if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself um, and just what what DM is for our listeners who may not know. Yeah, for sure. So um, obviously I'm Emma. I'm the co-founder of DM. Uh, I'm British. I've lived in New York for about seven years now. I'm incredibly passionate about gender equity, gender equality. Um, I am obsessed with communities. I'm also obsessed with technology and how it can better connect people to the resources or the people that they're looking for. Um, I've always sort of worked within marketing community partnerships. Uh, Partnerships is my, basically my favorite thing in the world to do. Um, And um, I came together with my co-founder Divya about 18 months, two years ago now, um, to create DM after I had to take the morning after pill for the first time. And I'd just never taken it before. 
I ended up in all manner of internet rabbit holes that I'm sure that anyone listening is probably familiar with um, and ended up creating a spreadsheet. Basically, I was like, I want to keep track of all of this. I don't understand all of the different opinions. I interviewed everyone in the away office at the time. This is about three ish years ago now. Um, and I was just like, why is there not a place where I can access community insights? Like so much of our experience searching for information, specifically speaking to the experience of being a woman is um social like a lot of our searches are very social they're in group chats they're online they're sort of like really just like trying to crowdsource this information um and we recognize that no technology recognizes that like there's no ability for you to query collective knowledge of entire communities there's no way that you get delivered socially or community generated results um via google um unless you sort of specifically tag say reddit on the end of your search um and yeah so that's really how you can think about the framework for dm is we are building a social search engine uh social search engines don't currently exist so a lot of people don't know what that means uh but essentially it is um an incentivized community you are able to share what you know in response to people's questions. You can ask your own um, and basically via the information that is shared, we can then um, build really cool um, proprietary search technology. So cool. So needed. Like I was just telling Jordan, like there's really nothing like this. I mean, when yeah. I have like questions, like you said, I'll like add Reddit at the end of it, but like, yeah, Reddit's just not it. It's a whole, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think a lot of the time, like, like for, for us, at least like the, you'll come to DM, not because you're trying to find your friends there, but because you're trying to find knowledge beyond your immediate network. Um, and I think that that's what we try and do the whole time. And we have no real way of doing it. So we come up with these really hacky solutions, whether it be like, I don't know, like tagging certain things in your search query, like scouring reviews, uh, like trying to find an Instagram page and then reading all the comments. Um, there's just so many ways that we try and find this information and it shouldn't be this hard. Yeah, no, totally. That's so true. It's such a good place for that. I was just kind of going through the app last night. I love the different categories, like, and we can totally get into the app, um, later in this combo. I, I really want to dive in. Um, but we, we were kind of just catching up yesterday and wanted to like, see where we wanted to, you know, what we wanted to ask you. And I think, your career is very interesting. And I think one thing that people that listen to this podcast are very interested in is growing their career or potentially starting, you know, something for themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, so we kind of wanted to just learn a little bit about your career path and like, we looked at your LinkedIn and <laughs> we're the head of global marketing at away, which is incredible. Um, obviously away is really, really big today. And I know you were there pretty much at the beginning. What was it like working there um, when there were only 10 people at away? Yeah, um, it was so fun. I love working in startups. I've never actually worked for sort of a, I say proper company before. Um, I've never worked in a corporate company. I have absolutely no idea what it's like. And I don't really have any interest in knowing. Um, and I, yeah, I joined when there were, I can't remember how many, maybe but 10, between 10 and 20 employees. Um, and I joined initially to expand them into the UK um, and sort of using my experience and knowledge of the UK market to do so. 
Um, I did that for the first three months that I was there. And then I uh, transitioned back to the New York head office and did partnerships. Like most of what I did with Away was partnerships, uh, some experiential stuff. So we did like pop-up hotels in Paris for Fashion Week. We did like influencer trips around the world. We did um, partnerships with some like leading companies like Star Wars or um, all sorts of different um brands and epic people so it was a crazy three years that I'm very glad I had and um, yeah I also met my co-founder there so um, lots of lots of wins. What do you think was like your biggest takeaway from working in a startup? Uh, good question. Or maybe maybe what was like most applicable to starting DM? Um, being very okay with change and how fast everything moves and the one moment your job might be one thing, but the next moment you actually really need to just be doing this other thing. Um, and just being very, I think like anyone that works in a startup is very okay with sort of risk and very okay with uh, fast pace and just like volatility in general. Um, and so I think that having that exposure really set me up for success with DM because I wasn't expecting everything to go well from day one and never, it never goes well from day one. <laughs> um, and so I think it's just like being accepting of that. Wondering how, like, if you have any tips for like people who want to work at a startup, I know it's extremely competitive. I tried working on a few startups in New York when I was there, that was like my goal. I moved to New York and I kind of got sucked into that world of like female founders. You know, it seemed like a lot of founders found each other at like startups. Like I know, I think Jen Rubio from away, were they at Warby Parker? I think. Yes. They were. Yeah. So it's like, you kind of get involved in the startup and you learn so much and you soak it all in, you find your co-founder and then you can kind of go out and start on your own. And that was always yeah. like my vision. I was like, yes, I'm going to go to a startup. Um, and I know obviously there's other paths than that, but just like for someone who wants that experience, I guess, what kind of, how did you get to a way? And I guess we can start there. <laughs> um, I'm not sure that my path to a way is very helpful, but there are things that I can share it. And then I can share how I think you can get into that world. How does that yeah, sound? Perfect. Yeah. Um, so while I was at university, uh, I studied war studies at King's College, which was super academic, very hard work, um, and really interesting a lot of the time, but I'm incredibly creative at the same time as being very interested in history and politics and conflicts and all sorts of things like that. And so I started a blog, uh, this is about 10 years ago now, uh, so very early, uh, what you would now call influencer days, um, and I started adding film photography to it and reviews and just like general stuff it was like a creative outlet um the blog became very successful from a metrics perspective um and I basically realized upon graduating or pretty pretty quickly uh close to graduating that I really hated building audience around myself uh, I didn't want to be the sort of center of attention and like the reason that this thing was successful but I realized I was actually really good at marketing and I was really interested in marketing and brand partnerships and everything that I learned via running this blog and building an audience. And so that's how I got into marketing. And I'm fascinated by human psychology, why people behave the way that they behave, how you get them to behave in certain ways from a sort of uh, marketing perspective. And uh 
after that, I went and worked for a, one of the first, now first creator platforms. I led their community growth. So I onboarded the first 300 influencers at the time and uh, got exposure interested of how that sort of thing came to life. Um, and then uh, during, I think, that year, I had actually met Jen um, at just socially in London. She was living in London at the time or had just moved back to America. I can't remember. Um, and we were talking and she basically one of the things that I was loved about away um I'm not sure if they still have it but at the beginning they had a non-profit partnership with uh, an organization called Peace Direct um and Peace Direct often uh, operated in uh, regions of conflict and post-conflict with local peacemakers and they supported local peacemakers and that was very similar to what my degree was about and we were talking um and basically it turned out she was going to Congo to go and visit one of the people on the ground there um, as part of this partnership. And I wrote my thesis in um, gender and sexual based violence, uh, specifically focusing on Congo and the wars uh, and conflicts that have occurred there. And so that's how our sort of relationship sparked. Um, and about, I guess, like six months after that, um, they were hiring for a marketing assistant. They wanted to expand into the UK um, and then because of what I built with this blog, I was very well connected in London. I knew the cool stuff to do, the things, the way to plug brands in, that sort of thing. Um, and so my wedge really came from that experience, which is not exactly replicable. <laughs> it's not that easy to replicate, but what I think uh, having both hired for startups and also worked within startups, um, the biggest thing, if a, if a startup is like 10 employees, it's like really showing why you're different. And a lot of the stuff that, and that sounds very obvious, but a lot of the stuff like as a founder that I'm looking for in those early employees is someone who's like kind of entrepreneurial themselves. Like I want you to know how to solve problems. I don't want to be bugged the whole time with lots of questions and like process and all of this sort of thing, because you, that's just not the environment that startups operate within. So if you can show as a potential or a prospective employee that you've done this cool thing. Maybe you've grown a TikTok audience. Maybe you've, if it's marketing, for example, maybe you've started a newsletter. And even if you don't have lots of subscribers, you like consistently write about this one thing and you've shown that you do that and you know how to work it and whatever. Um, and so I think it's just like showing that self-starter attitude. And like, that's why I got hired at a way as I technically was an influencer and I knew how to build a brand and like it was a smart hire on their front they got an influencer with one of their employees so like it's mm -hmm. it's kind of like showing why you're differentiated from potential other candidates who might be have the professional background that, that they also need yeah I like that those examples you gave because I think a lot of the times especially younger women who want to get involved in that world feel like I don't have the professional experience on my resume. They're not going to hire me. I'm not going to apply, but the yeah. things you just listed, like those could be hobbies. Those could be things you're doing outside of like yeah. academics or your work life. So yeah. I, I think it's super important to highlight, like, yeah. we don't just have to keep really professional experience on your resume. Cause sometimes that personal stuff makes a bigger yeah. impact. Yeah. And I think it's definitely, I mean, I'll caveat that with, it's definitely different for uh, for example, with DM, we're currently hiring for senior product designers, senior product managers, like engineers, those people we do need to have worked in, at, say, Instagram or 
I don't know, Roblox or somewhere like mm-hmm. that, because we need them, we're relying on them to have that crucial experience and to go on to potentially lead those departments. But for something like, I think specifically for a marketing career path, there are so many ways that you can show why you're good. Uh, we have so many tools available to us. If you're sort of doing the bare minimum and you're, you're not really exploring any of those tools or showing a curious attitude, then that that's like a like something that I would look for is like why like you're really curious about platforms or how they work or how they can benefit a brand. So it looks like after away, you kind of had some freelance experience. Um, so how did you get started with that? Just for some women listening that are, you know, considering making this freelance jump, uh, what are maybe some pros and cons of doing that? And were you also like working on DM at the time? Yeah. Um, so I took a freelance break because I needed a little bit of time off after the crazy three years um, with away. And I always kind of knew that I wanted to work for myself in some capacity. And so I think from a freelance perspective, it's before you start making sure you have enough money that's like will get you through like three months six months if you if you don't get any work uh because otherwise a lot of like freelance stuff like people pay their invoices late um they you might not receive a payment for 60 days after you do the work and so um it's really making sure you you've sort of got that safety net to start with um i actually signed a few uh what then went on or had discussions before i left um away and i'd made sure i sort of saved a lot um with people who then went on to do like freelance projects with. And so just like getting those conversations going as early as possible. Um, I can obviously only speak to the experience of being like a marketing or partnerships freelance person, but um, having done, like I, I sort of benefited a lot from the fact that people saw my work with Away via from partnerships, like Away was known for their partnerships. And so it was like very, um, beneficial if you were trying to go out and start that like a freelance partnerships business kind of thing um and so by and also by the nature of my position being pretty outward facing as in like I always met lots of clients I always met potential partners I met lots of people constantly because that was my job um and so you build a, a network that you can then go out and be like hey I'm actually now doing this and that's what I did um about two months after I left I sent out an email to like all of my contacts and I was like this is what I'm up to. I'm really excited that next year I'm going to uh, go all in on DM and like, this is what DM is about. Uh, but for the next like six to eight months, um, I'm going to be taking on freelance projects. Here's what I'm good at. Let me know if you know anyone or if you yourself are interested. Um, and that I literally didn't do anything else. And that's how I got all of my freelance projects. Wow. wow. That's, That's such a good lesson. Like yeah. leverage your network. Yeah. Oh, every, you won't get a single job if you're not shameless in asking. Yeah. <laughs> no, so true. I feel like so many people wouldn't just send the email. Like, yeah. yeah. Be scared. Yeah. That's great advice. Got to put yourself out there. I'm curious too. So do you see yourself ever doing like freelance consulting type work again down the road? Or do you think that that part of your career is kind of over? Um, I, no, I I think I would do, I guess it would, like, I'd probably change what I consulted on, but, um, Mm -hmm. I constantly still help friends with partnership strategies or, or things like that, just because I, it's how literally how my brain thinks it's 
so you tell me an idea and I'll be like you should work with this person and I like can't help it given the fact that I often give a lot of startups ideas for free um, <laughs> there's uh there's roots when you sort of become um connected with the VC world um sometimes you can sort of work out arrangements where you might get um carry in their fund uh in exchange for like helping advise for literally like half an hour, an hour a month, uh, one of their portfolio companies. And so there's stuff like that, that I definitely um, am interested in doing and sort of talking about doing uh, mainly because it actually just helps my brain think about DM when I don't think about it the entire time um, and sort of can think about something else for an hour. But I think freelance work, I mean, never say never. Um, I want to dedicate my whole life to gender equality and so um everything that I do into the future will be in some way related to that um so maybe if there's something that works out at the intersection of both I love that very cool yeah that clearly led you to DM your when you were working on it during freelancing so we'd obviously love to learn a little more about DM and like how you like finally made the leap to start um I guess initially could you just tell us like how did you launch it like did you raise money did you know an app developer like what did that like process look like yeah so I think a lot of the time when people think about starting a company they think they have to have everything sorted before you can like launch and I I don't agree with that a lot of the time I think with consumer products as in like CPG it will um it helps like obviously it like helps to have everything ready and but you can start to build momentum perhaps before you like have it in stock um but for us the way that we did it is first of all just like tons of research like user research surveys um I put a couple of surveys in my Instagram story we got like hundreds of replies um and that was really validating to both what we were trying to achieve and also like for us to learn a lot about what people think is missing um and then from there we launched a newsletter so DM st didn't start as an app uh we knew it would become a sort of digital product but we started as a newsletter and the newsletter was weekly or bi-weekly I can't remember it's now weekly um and it was basically a curation of things from around the internet or on women's well-being whether that be products articles sort of a, a quick intro about what we're thinking about that week um and then we built a following uh or audience via the newsletter um and then we started to tap into that newsletter subscriber base to find beta users or beta testers. Um, and that's kind of how we rolled out the product. Um, we managed to find an engineer um, who did a lot of work, well, not really a lot of work, like built a sort of MVP version of DM. Um, and that actually got us into Techstars. So after the first cap, this was probably all of this newsletter, et cetera, was happening about four months before we actually took in any money. Um, and we joined the Techstars Accelerator in New York in the summer of 2020, um, which was very, very fortunate because like lots of funds weren't investing, lots of angel investors weren't investing because of the markets and everything that was going on with COVID. Um, and so, yeah, Textiles was our first check. Um, we took some money from angels at the same time. Um, and then we raised our pre-seed about six months after Techstars. Um, and we just closed our seed about two months ago. So yeah, we've raised money since, but we didn't start with it. Got it. Yeah. Agreed. I feel like 
even with anything, like even with a podcast, like any project, people definitely think you need to have it all figured out before just like starting. And sometimes the best thing is just starting something small and then it can kind of snowball. Yeah. I think, I think it's also just, um, your idea or not your idea, but the way that your idea comes to life will change drastically as soon as people start like engaging with it. Um, like we're on our sort of like third iteration of our beta product at the moment. So, and like, that's very normal. (laughs) So if, Oh, go, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead and say it. I was going to say, um, if one of our listeners were to go download the app right now and get into it, what would they expect? And what do you think they would like immediately get out of it? Um, there's a lot of, so the way that the product exists right now is basically just category based. So you can explore different interest areas. Um, the product itself is not like, there's a lot coming in the next three months that are very, very different from what you'll see uh, today, but there's a lot of really interesting content in there and things you can listen to, you can read um, and yeah, depending what your interests are. So I think the main thing that you get is like, you you can ask a question if you like, but the biggest thing that people are doing at the moment is just like consuming um, the knowledge that has been shared. Um, But we have some exciting things um, rolling out in the next two months. That's exciting. I know I signed up, we signed up for the newsletter and I just went down like a rabbit hole of like reading all these old newsletters. They were really good. good. Yeah. 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 They were really good. I read the one, um, about girl boss or was it girl boss? Yes. I forgot what the title was, but it was so good because I think about that all the time. Like just the like demonizing of female founders and everything that comes out in like in these articles, it's just like, so ridiculous. And I think you had such a good take on that. Like a startup is a startup. Like it's going to be probably like crazy work hours and it doesn't really matter if it's a female founder or a male founder, but like people just don't like it when it's a female founder. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's just that we, uh, which I think I also wrote in this article, but if I'm remembering correctly, I said something along the lines of you basically assume that female founders are better. And often that assumption comes from, it could be that their company is mission driven. Um, A lot of like, well, not all of, but like a lot of female founded businesses are solving problems that have been typically overlooked. Um, And so as a result, you might be like, oh, well, for mission-driven, everything's perfect. This is like a utopia of a workplace. Mm -hmm. Um, It's still a really hard place to work. Uh, Like to get anything off the ground, you're like grinding away. The founders are probably working the entire time. Um, And yes, of course, like everyone wants to prioritize their employees' uh, mental health and time off and, and all sorts of things like that. But a startup environment is a startup environment. Like the companies don't become big overnight. They become big because people literally push them off the ground. Um, and I think that that really annoys me about the general um, attitude towards like the fact that even called female founders, like so stupid. Um, it really just irritates me because just because something is mission driven, just because something is founded by a woman, even if it's not mission driven, doesn't mean that it's like you holding it to a higher expectation um, leads to far more downfalls. Like 
Mm-hmm. We saw this with the news about Adam Newman raising like 400 million new dollars this week. Like it's yeah. just, it's just like it, it goes on and on. It's just, it's just like doesn't do anyone any favors for viewing women as better. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's insane. Yeah. I really liked your take and, and I love the newsletter. It's, it's really well put together. So everyone should go subscribe. Um, Don't download the app yet. (laughs) Yes. Um, yeah, well this, so DM is just such an amazing community and I kind of wanted to just ask like, why do you think community is so important when building a brand or like even a podcast, personal brand, anything, um, why is community so important? Um, yeah. So from the, from the lens of a company community, first of all, a lot of people don't really understand what the word community means. Um, so a quick one-on-one, a community is not when you are speaking to your people, when you're the sort of not it's it's not the communication of an Instagram following for example a community is only formed when people meet each other so when your connections are connected with each when your when your audience rather are connected with each other um and so the reason that they're so beneficial is because those connections that are made uh between like say you both uh follow away and you met each other and you're both really passionate about travel and maybe D2C brands and you live in New York, let's say, which was sort of the first customers of, of Away. Um, you're going to become friends and you're going to become friends because like perhaps that brand connected you to each other at an event. Um, your friendship is then always associated, no matter how long it lasts, with the fact that you met at an Away event. Um, and that is incredible. From a company lens, that is incredibly valuable because those people aren't going to go and buy a Samsonite suitcase if they met their best friend at an away event. Um, And so really like from a purely from a metrics perspective, community is an unparalleled way of generating retention and loyalty amongst your customer base. And that is like, I think if you're building a podcast, if you're building a company, why it's so important, it's really the loyalty piece. Um, And also if you have a community, they are really invested in you as as a business. Like maybe you have a Slack channel, maybe you have a Facebook group, maybe whatever you exist in discord. Um, And if that company is like, Hey, we're changing. We'd really love your input. Like they have that pool of people that are like wanting this business to exist or the mission to be fulfilled. Um, And so that's really, really valuable Um, from a human perspective, like outside of brands, uh, communities are everything, especially for for women, for non-binary people who we're building for first and foremost. Um, You get your information, you get resources, you get recommendations, you find out what you know via other people. And so uh, community changes everything. If you have access to a community, um, we believe you have access to like the most, like everything that will bring you success. I completely agree. Jordan, we need to work on our our podcast seriously (laughs) like instagram is just not a place for a community um but yeah we're we're trying to figure out where that can explore other options yeah Yeah. but ask but that's the first thing of of building community is ask people questions yeah don't try and figure it out by yourself put it in your instagram Mm -hmm. story be like do you want to talk to each other kind of thing Mm -hmm. they might say no 
Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> never mind. <laughs> That's Amazing. true. Uh, well, DM sounds amazing. And we're like, honestly, so excited to see these exciting updates you have coming. Yes. Um, cannot wait to see. We do have one last question for you. George, do you want to go, go for it with the last yeah, one? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So this is a question we ask all of our guests who come on. We want to know what is one piece of advice you have for women in their twenties listening? Well, I am a woman in my 20s, so we <laughs> all are. <laughs> um, advice. Honestly, the thing that makes me the saddest is how uh, much women hate each other. Uh, not each other, sorry, themselves. And also often each other as a result of that. Um, but I think that there's just such, there's so much media and I don't know, like everything that like tells you basically causes you to question your worth and your confidence. Um, and I just think I just, I'm like, try, like, I'm like, try and pull yourself out of that hole. Like my biggest piece of advice is like, is like try and surround yourself with people that make you feel confident. Um, unfollow those people that don't, um, like don't pay too much attention to people who are like maybe passing remarks or, you know that they say things behind your back like they're not your friends they're probably jealous of you in some weird way and that's why they're remarking in a negative manner um and so just like my biggest thing is like it's very hard to say ignore what people think everyone inherently wants to be liked but um try as best you can to ignore that noise because when you're confident in yourself you can do almost anything I love that advice. I I'm obsessed. We try to talk about confidence on this podcast as much as we can, because I think it's, I mean, for us on a personal level, it's impacted so much of our life. Um, So that's, that's awesome. I love that advice. Yeah. It's really, um, and it's all consuming in your twenties because it's like, oh, well, I'm like, I need my job to be great. I need Mm -hmm. a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Mm -hmm. You feel pressured. Like you feel a lot of um, pressure to uh be perfect and to be everything that everyone wants of you but if you just am like well what do I want of myself um Mm -hmm. and like spend time on that then you'll probably be much happier yes way way happier focus on yourself and build your own path yeah Yeah, fuck the haters (laughs) exactly (laughs) awesome um Emma this has been so great could you tell our listeners like where they can find you on social and like website where to subscribe to your newsletter things like that um on Instagram and Twitter and soon to be TikTok we are at askdm um d-i-e-m uh I'm personally all of my social handles are oh my god I can't talk social handles are Emma S-H Bates um newsletter is just dmnewsletter.substack.com um and subscribe we write you things every single tuesday amazing well thank you so much we've loved having you on the podcast and everyone go check out dm that's a wrap on this episode thanks for listening to cool girls only where we talk about all things navigating your 20s and being your best self Check out our Instagram at coolgirlsonlypodcast and sign up for our newsletter and learn more at coolgirlsonly.com. Also, if you're loving the podcast, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Until next time, cool girls.